Today's show is brought to you by Bogart Extractors, an industry leader in hydrocarbon extraction. Over the last decade, Bogart has implemented many new technologies, which have helped to revolutionize the way hydrocarbon extractions are performed. Each unit is made with sanitary stainless steel and is built and tested right here in the USA. Their certified system for use in licensed facility meet all NFPA and ASME standards and undergo peer-reviewed by third-party engineers to ensure facilities and its employees can operate safely. Beyond simply making a functional extractor, Bogart has many additional features which make extraction faster and more cost-effective compared to other manufacturers. These features include hydrocarbon failing films to supercharge evaporation rates, heavy-duty explosion-proof pumps for flammable liquids and vapors, industrial chillers capable of maintaining large tanks of solvent at temperatures below 60 Celsius. They also offer extensive tech support and consultation services. So whether you need to set up an extraction lab from scratch or you just need some replacement gaskets, Give them a call at 855-553-3887 or check out their website at www.bogart.com. Glad you could be here. Uh, this is the Hemp Show Deep Dive. I'm Mark Rosselli. I've got Mariposa Oxenberg with Orange Fuzz. And then we also have one of our team members, Franco Smith, who's over in Cape Town, South Africa. And I'm just happy to have a conversation with, with you, Mari, because you're always such a you're always such a ball of energy. And then everything you're doing with Orange Fuzz is extremely exciting. And um, you know, just kind of a, a great escape from the world we live in right now when I when I get to talk to you. <laughs> Thank you. That's sweet. Yeah. So we were on the 15 minute hemp show um, segment together. We didn't have enough time to talk specifically about you. I dive, you know, into the creation of Orange Fuzz, which you and I have chatted about um, mm-hmm. prior to this and then kind of how that that whole started to kick things off. I mean, Please tell me a bit more about your your background because you've got a lot of certifications and a lot of education in the nursing space, and you're working on getting further educated on cannabinoids and how that relates to nursing. Um, but dive into it. I want to know more. Well, okay, so it's true. My resume is like eight pages long. It's ridiculous, but the um, you know it goes back. You know, I've always been. Um, interested in herbal healing and herbal medicine. Um, Before college, I was always reading and studying about herbs and plant healing. I was raised like that. My mom never took us to um, the doctor hospitals. She always just made some brew with some herbs and we were fine. And so that carried me and, you know, gave me a passion for, for herbal healing. Um, And so after, you know, I went to nursing school and back in the late nineties and uh, became a nurse because a midwife told me once to go to nursing school, get it out of the way so that you can decide which kind of midwife you want to be. And at that point, you know, we have the certified nurse midwives and we have the, the um, home birth professional midwives. And so I did that. I'd never been, um, I'd never even been in a hospital at that point. I didn't know what nurses did, but she told me to do that. So I signed up for school and ended up loving nursing. It was right up my alley, loving patient care. 
um, went do a, a fast straight path through maternal child and labor and delivery, although have a love for old people and the elderly and um, cancer patients. Um, so got my master's in science in nurse midwifery. And um, after several years of being a labor and delivery nurse and working in the hospitals, and after having my own home birth practice in Los Angeles for um, good, I don't know, I think it's 10 years now, um, I decided that, uh, well, I, it, so I've been doing that. I still have a home birth practice in, in Los Angeles and helping women have babies at home in the water, which is my specialty. Um, but I've always been um, someone that stands in between. So I've always um, loved the balance of medicine and um, herbs um, and medicinal healing. So when my friend, my dear friend, Claire, um, got diagnosed repeatedly with her second round of cancer, she decided that she didn't want to go the, the, the conventional route the way she did before with the um, surgeries and the chemo and the radiation and all of that. And so I, at that point, I had been uh, working as a private duty nurse too on the side and so sort of became her private duty nurse and got to go on this healing journey with her through this exploration of alternative ways to help her with her cancer. And um, one of those ways among many, because we were um, driving to, you know, ozone therapy treatments and we were doing IVs of vitamin C and IVs of minerals and uh, frequency light healing, which is pretty phenomenal. Um, and as well as then um, cannabis medicine. She was lucky enough to have been given enough medicine to do the three months of the intensive cannabis treatment um, and therapy. Really sweet people, uh, her friends in Malibu had her come live on their ranch and took care of her for the three months while she, you know, when you do the cannabis therapy, it's really intense. You're taking a hundred milligrams of THC a day. And it's, uh, you know, you don't do anything else. <laughs> Very are you, hard. Are you taking it in edible form or smokable form or all types? It was in a pill form, an oil made into a pill. Okay. Uh, so for, for, oil. for those <laughs> that have never, for those that don't know a hundred milligrams of an edible, if unless you're a, a seasoned veteran or just for some reason, a heavyweight and can take that a hundred milligrams is a lot. That'll, that'll get you That'll get you pretty high for days. Possibly for days for some people. Um, I definitely have, there's been some times where I've, it's been multiple days. I don't know. I don't necessarily know if I had that much. Um, yeah. So sorry. Continue. It is intense. And you know, she, you, she has to build up to that. It wasn't something that she just started doing right away for anyone watching too. Oh, know, that, that would scare a lot of people off. It would. <laughs> you just show up and they're like, well, the initiation is yeah. 100 milligrams. No, oh no start low and slow and build up, but she didn't have a lot of time to do that. And so um, she did. And, you know, I happened to take her uh, months later to the oncology appointment with this very wonderful um, and renowned oncologist in Santa Monica. And I was there in the exam room when he came in and he said, Claire, your PET scans came back and there's no evidence of disease. And when I heard that she couldn't believe it. And we had to repeat it to her like several times. Did you hear what he said? He just said no evidence of disease. 
So that moment was the time that I was like, whoa, this stuff is, there's something to this stuff and I need to find out more because I'm wow. all about natural healing and herbal medicine. This is my style. And, and if you, if you, if you don't mind, Matt, mind me asking, um, was she, she was also participating in standard like Western medicine as well? At that no? point, no. Mm-mm. No. Okay. And then what was her, um, kind of prognosis well, prior, prior to she, the cannabis treatment, this, well, she, um, you know, they wanted her to do the, um, the radiation and chemo and the standard stuff before, because this was the second time that she was diagnosed. She had beaten it before, and then it came back her breast cancer. Okay. And, and so, um, they wanted her to do the conventional stuff and she didn't want to go through that again. And so what her prognosis was, I mean, um, it wasn't good. It was, it was, you know, you have five years, maybe. I mean, we, she did a total of 13 years, um, fighting cancer. Wow. And which is one of the reasons why I'm a proponent of, um, I've always stood in the middle ground, you know, like even with the nurse midwifery, like I'm all about empowering women to make choices for themselves and inform consent and, and however they want to have a baby, that's their choice. But there is a time and a place for a hospital when I need a C-section right away. I'm most grateful for it, right? And so right. I, I've always stood in the middle and I've always been too hippie for the nurse midwives and too nursey for the hippie midwives. But <laughs> in this case too with Claire, it would, in hindsight is 2020, I believe that doing both would have been the best thing, you know, and what I think, in my opinion, mm-hmm. in this scenario is, is doing, you know, what the doctors are going to want you to do, but then also we have all of this other stuff too. So I feel like had that happened, it would have been a better outcome in the end. Um, however, I was in that, ho- in that room when the doctor came in and said there, you have no evidence of disease and your, you know, and that was a really big moment. And we knew that um, we she didn't like getting high. She didn't want to be stoned. And um, so we found out that THCA and juicing cannabis was um, really powerful. And so her friend just uh, offered to support and finance um, a legal like collective or grow or something that we could grow her enough cannabis to um, be able to juice, which you need a lot for. Um, Yeah, So that sort of just threw us into this whole world of um, finding out the laws and then it was just before it was, this is like 2015 when things were starting to become legal or the fight was on and in LA. And um, I was doing, spending a lot of time um, going down to city hall um, and making my voice heard. And, you know, it's funny because my son Felix was two years old and I didn't have a sitter. So he's been to city hall many times to fight for cannabis legal <laughs> policy and medical cannabis. Oh, wow. Um, Bring the two-year-old. I bet that was fun. I've got a two-year-old right now. (laughs) He did so well. He was like, he just sat there with his little headphones on. And, you know, I have a picture of him on like, you know, in City Hall. It was a Oh, that's so funny. Anytime we, anytime I bring my little guy anywhere, he just talks to everybody. Like we're at Trader Joe's and the cashier. And he's just like, this is my puppy. This is my Dory. And it's just so funny. (laughs) Aren't they adorable? They're so cute. Yeah, I wish they'd stay that age. I know. (laughs) I wish I'd say so. Six. Which uh, which which city for the city council? Los meeting? Angeles. Okay. 
Los Angeles City Hall. Yeah, I be, I can't. I just started immersing myself in any education I could get. So I started going to any kind of free seminar or free gathering or, um, you know, luncheon and learn about this and with cannabis and legalization and um, supporting, um, you know, social equity. And so I got on a lot of the the webs, the newsletters and um, a lot of the different foundations and groups in LA and just started really just showing up to anything I could to learn as much as I could. Um, and then going to as many conferences and trade shows and, you know, as, as much as I could to learn as much as I could about it. So I did that for several years. Um, then we got into this whole thing where we're going to join up with this company in, in um, Canada and grow aquaponically with fish. And it was going to be amazing. <laughs> We were looking for like 65,000 square foot warehouses and oh my God, but that didn't happen. Thank goodness. Yeah. I, I feel like anybody that started, anybody that started in the cannabis space or, or even the hemp space and, you know, kind of started from scratch and then came in, it's kind of that shiny object syndrome. There's mm -hmm. so much opportunity and you want to do so much good. I mean, it sounds amazing to grow the plant, you know, aquaponic style with fish, but mm -hmm. the logistics behind that. And then just the sheer, the sheer business behind that, you know, I'm, I'm yet to see a business do that successfully. So at least the aquaponics, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, they but figured as far as, it I out mean, Canada, home, but... home growing, home growing. I mean, that, that's totally, that would be totally awesome. It'd be totally awesome. But I, can you see me in this like gigantic warehouse, like feeding all these fish food every day and like, oh my God. Anyway, it, thankfully that didn't happen. <laughs> you, you may you may not know this, but I've I've been a I've been an aquarium hobbyist for most of my life. At I least the past at least the past twenty five years, I've got four aquariums in my garage. So what? not once though have I tried to do it aquaponics style. Um, even back when I was growing in my garage, and I had aquariums right next to it, I just never I I, I was always too worried about the just the nutrient breakdown and, and too focused on trying to create, you know, high quality plant and quality flower and that end product that I didn't want it to be connected to the fish systems, which were in most cases, extremely dirty. And yeah. I couldn't really control the nutrients as well. So I just never crossed that barrier. Apparently it works really well to tilapia. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't can't say I've ever had a tilapia. I mean, eaten tilapia, but never, definitely never had tilapia. The the fish, you know, they're they're pretty pretty big. You need a big system for those. Yeah, and it was a great model. It was like, and after the fish got a certain size, then you would give it to the food banks, and they could have fresh protein. And you know, I loved it. I was a great model. It just wasn't with the the most. Um, in uh, people with integrity. So I, I lucked out and jumped ship before anything happened with that. Well, yeah, good thing. Good thing you didn't dive into that one. And I just actually thought about it. It would be very interesting. A fish that was grown off of the nutrients slash, you know, of a, of a cannabis plant. Like what if it had trace elements of cannabinoids in the, uh, right? in the protein of the fish, that would be hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, you get high off of your fish. That would be a whole new thing. No, it's uh, yeah, the fish fish's nutrients were giving it to the plant, and then the plant was giving it back to the fish. And mm -hmm. it, it's just um, this wonderful system. And uh, for another another lifetime, um, for me anyway. So then, 
So then yeah, so what, just, what was next? <laughs> so what was next after um, I saved that, you know, that didn't happen. Um, it, it was a, it was a sort of a, it just, I happened to go to uh, MJ BizCon two years ago and sit in this, one of the, the breakout sessions about uh, the hemp industry and CBD industry. And then anything kind of medical I could find, I would also sit in and, uh, and learn as much as possible. And I learned then that smokable hemp was the smallest part of the CBD market at the time. And that the other class was um, how wonderful smoking um, CBD can help people get off of tobacco and nicotine. And so I was like, oh, well, that's an interesting combination. <laughs> um, and then I happened to, at the same show, run into these great manufacturers from the Bay Area who make these great hemp cigarettes. So um, all of this came together. Uh, but one of the things that didn't work was that the hemp that they were sourcing, although it was very inexpensive, so it was great for profit margin, um, was really dirty. Like they if they had a COA, it was horrible because, you know, Kemp cleans the grounds of any, the ground of any, mm. you know, toxins. The bioaccumulator. The bioaccumulation of the plant. And so um, me being like the organic hippie girl that I am, I was like, whoa, this, I cannot make this into a product and sell this. This is awful. Um, especially just because I'm into health, like why, you know, Smoking isn't that great for you. Obviously, combustion isn't good, but if you're going to smoke something, it might as well be a hemp cigarette, not a tobacco cigarette. And it can help you get off of that tobacco cigarette. So um, so I searched high and low. I went into like production mode, paused and stopped until I could find um, and source some clean hemp, which turned out to be a lot harder than I thought. Um, and this and was, you, and you said this was 2018, right? This roughly? was, Yeah. 2018. Yeah. And even then surprisingly, although, although much better than now, it was still surprisingly the, the hemp product was terrible. I mean, in, yeah. even in 2018, it got a lot, a lot better. I mean, 2016, yeah. 15, oh my gosh, yeah. the hemp flower was horrendous, much better in 2018, but still a long way from even what it is right now. It's true. It was terrible. And I, and, and that's another, it reminds me of a part of the story was that summer I went to one of the events at the um, athletic club in, in downtown LA, where they had a lot of um, cannabis education events and networking events and such. And um, I met this great guy and he and I have become friends ever since. And he had this pack of hemp cigarettes and he's like, look what I just bought at this, um, you know, convenience store. And I'm like, what? And it was this great pack and it looked amazing. And we tried one and it was absolutely terrible. It gave me an instant headache. It tasted awful. I was like, this is not going to go anywhere very fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, right. And then they were also at, you know, the the big conferences and it was just like, they have all this money behind them for marketing and everything. And like, is there a COA anywhere on their website? No, Lord only knows what's in that product. But so I finally found a great farmer with amazing product and um, it tastes great. Um, and it just checked all the boxes. The COA was beyond amazing and so uh, that's where Orange Fuzz Hemp Smokes were born through that. And we're off. <laughs> so uh, I've got a lot of questions. I'm going to start with the, the the first one that kind of popped into my head during that. Now, last we had talked, I started off the hemp show with the Nick's The Nick 
right. um, you know, phrase that you that you've coined. Now, are could you dive into what that means? And then also previously, were you a tobacco smoker? Yeah, or I have to admit, I, yes, I have tobacco had cigarettes. a love affair of, of cigarette smoking. And, you know, cannabis has been part of my, my life, my entire life, but also so has tobacco. So um, the, my sister said that I made the perfect product for myself. <laughs> and so, yeah, it, Nick's the Nick came from, from just that, you know, how do we help people that are trying to get off tobacco. And I just read that so many more people have started smoking over this pandemic. People that have had, that have quit or have never smoked before have started. Um, so I just felt like this was the perfect time to create this um, three pack challenge because I wager that um, anyone can stop smoking cigarettes with three packs of hemp smokes. So that is um what I wager and we'll see, we're also going to put together some clinical trials. And uh, my partner is a neuroscience uh, PhD scientist. Um, she's going to do, you know, design studies and, and we're, we're going to really see, you know, what yeah. this looks like, but that's like one of my projects that, it, that is, uh, that's the hemp smoke project. The other product projects are that I just completed last weekend. Um, my cannabis nurse, a certificate program, which was um, with Pacific College of um, Medicine, I think acupuncture and medicine. Great course. It was the first accredited cannabis course for healthcare professionals in the country. The professors were incredible. I have no idea what I was getting myself into because um, essentially it's neuroscience, right? With the endocannabinoid system and the brain and a lot of stuff, it, you know, was, was a challenging course and so worth it. And uh, I learned so much and so amazing. Um, I just finished turning my last assignment, which is an infographic for uh, one for patients and one for providers discussing this fabulous article that just came out from um, the scientists uh, in Israel who um took 108 cancer patients, stage four cancer patients in treatment um, and then studied the effects of type one THC dominant, type two CBD THC hybrid and type three CBD dominant cultivars and medications for cancer patients as a palliative medicine for cancer patients. And their findings are astounding and incredible. I'm going to definitely, I'm going to definitely have to read that and really quick, curious question. My, my guess yeah. is they, they had those three and then they probably had a fourth control. Um, or... I don't think they had a control. No, they didn't have a control. Okay. They had those three and then they had the patients that were um, just getting treatment, just the cannabis, you know, on cancer treatment, the typical treatment. Right. But not, but not with cannabinoids. But not with cannabinoids. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be the, that would be the control. Of right. the of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to read that. That would be uh, very very interesting. And that's my whole that's my whole uh, other passion right now too. Is I put my midwifery on the side. I'm on, on hiatus from that right now because I'm so passionate about um, cannabis medicine and palliative care for cancer patients. And this article that uh, was just published in November of 2020 um, with these findings um, just really supported everything that I had been focusing on in this, in this course, that was really exciting. And then I turned it in on Sunday and then Monday, I got a call from my friend um, asking if I would consult her 
friends who's the the mother's dying of pancreatic cancer and they have all this cannabis medicine but they don't know how to use it and would I mind having a phone call with them and I'm like I'm not even out of school one day and I'm already getting my first consult this is amazing yeah yeah I mean and and uh Mari like surprisingly you know okay it's so awesome that they have that now but I mean I've been getting calls like that since 2012 like, wow. yeah, friends of friends, friends of mm-hmm. friends of friends, um, you know, sick people, people that are incredibly sick, people that aren't necessarily sick, but they have a lot of uh, a lot of physical ailments, a lot of yeah. pain that they're dealing with. Yeah. And I'm no expert. And I, I you know, obviously I, I would say something very similar, like, look, you always need to talk to your doctor about these mm-hmm. things first. Mm-hmm. But here's what's worked for me in the past, if you're interested right. Uh, but, you know, to have someone such as yourself that's educated specifically mm-hmm. on helping people, you know, in those scenarios is so much better than mm-hmm. someone such as me just giving anecdotal experience on, hey, here, this worked for me. It Maybe it'll work for you, you know. Yeah, but nonetheless, extraordinarily important for those people at the time that came to you. So you know, yeah. give yourself a pat on the back for that as well, because every, people needed that. Right. Well, and, and a lot of times and this, maybe you've encountered this as well, but a lot of times there are people who would never, never in the past had ever tried THC, CBD, anything along those lines and um, have always, even some of them had seen it as like a, Oh my gosh, this is so bad for you. Or this is a, a terrible drug that. Right should never have. And then they're put in a scenario where, you know, they don't have a lot of options and a few of the options that they do have are incredibly evasive to the body and, and you know, ultimately poisonous to the body. Toxic and poisonous. Yeah. Yes. And it's like, what type of, what, what do you want your quality of life being Mm -hmm. in your remaining time? You know, Mm -hmm. do you still want to fight it? Right. But you don't necessarily want to fight it and be puking all day, unable to walk. Um, you know, so that's where that kind of to, to fight with those two, with those choices is where they're like, okay, you know what, maybe I'm going to actually open my eyes and my mind to the possibilities of having this as you know, something that could help fight my illness. The stigma is just incredible that, you know, that they did a great job with the war on drugs and the brainwashing that they did for so many years um really stemming from racism from just racism from the very beginning i mean you mean the you mean reefer madness isn't real (laughs) reefer madness and prohibition and like (laughs) oh my gosh crazy it's it's just been insane and that we've had we've we've wasted so many years and there's just i think about so much suffering all the suffering that has happened on so many levels because of this of prohibition of this plant that is a medicine, it makes me want to cry. Like I'm just, just the endless countless lives that have been damaged because of incarceration and just, you know, not being able to get medicine that could have helped you. And, you know, it's just unbelievable. And here the Israelis for the last 10 years are studying this medicine in hospitals with patients, getting amazing results to study with the, that Mashalom did with the um, children, the cancer patients that were children with um, Delta eight and, and how it really helps their nausea. Like, you know, we could have been doing this stuff for so long. So it's time that we catch up and we're going to catch up at some point, but we're really lagging behind when it comes to just the study of cannabinoids right. and cannabis medicine. 
Yeah, I mean, it, with it being a, a schedule on, you know, the schedule one controlled substances, um, you know, that hindered a lot of things. It mm-hmm. kept me incredibly hard for people to study anything related to cannabinoids. And um, also, correct me if I'm wrong here, because you're probably the expert on this now. Um, I mean, we've only known about the endocannabinoid system for the past 20-ish years. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's the fact that we didn't even know how cannabinoids reacted within the body. Um, you know, only in, and most people think of like the 2000s is kind of like that switch between modern, you know, now we're in the tech age and uh, the information age. And to think that's only 20 years ago, that not only do we not have any of this gnarly tech or very little of this gnarly tech that's that's driving most people's lives, but we had no idea how cannabis, cannabinoids reacted within the body. I mean, yeah, yeah for all we know, it just went in and did funny things with our brains and then we got high. Devil's weed. No. <laughs> the, not only that, we haven't, you know, we still have medical schools and that are, they are not teaching about the endocannabinoid system. This is like if a medical school didn't teach about the sympathetic nervous system, right? You're not going to learn about an entire system that runs our body because, and we just found this out, but it, it's not in textbooks yet. It's not like standard education. You know, it's, it's amazing to me. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, you know? I've, I've mentioned this one before, but the, the first doctor that I asked, so I, I had no idea out here in California where, how you get a medical recommendation. And when I was curious and I was doing my own kind of learning, I asked a doctor, you know, if, if he could write me one. And he said, if you want, his response was verbatim, if you want chemically induced psychosis, that was his response <laughs> without a doubt. Very, a, a very well-respected, very good, uh, very good doctor. Wow. Awesome doctor, but zero education when it came to cannabinoids, whatever he may have learned in med school probably taught him that it was going to cause things a like drug, a, a drug of abuse. Um, yeah. Yeah. And just the fact that, I mean, chemically induced psychosis, like sure. Those things, those things happen. I mean, they're, they're on record, but yeah. Um, they're, they're very rare. And in, at least from my understanding, in most cases, it is just exacerbating something that already exists within the patient as opposed to it being the exactly. cause. But still, exactly. I mean, like to think that that's, that's the first response is like all the other good is just thrown mm-hmm. out the window that it could possibly do. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, let's no, just because that this has happened to a few people over the course of, of, uh, smoking that, <laughs> That that's going to happen to me and all the other good is just, no, there's no chance. not going to help you with anything else that you need. Just you're going to get chemically induced psychosis. It doesn't make any sense. And it just shows that they weren't doing their homework. You know, I'd say it's time to like hold, hold healthcare providers accountable for not having the education that is out there that we're supposed to, as healthcare providers, keep up on the new nuances of science, the new things that are uh, that are happening on the horizon. And for somebody at this point in time to be a doctor or a healthcare provider and not know about the endocannabinoid system and cannabis and cannabis medicine mm-hmm. is, um, is really, um, you know, dropping the ball as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And, and given that was 11 years ago. So 11, a lot has changed in 11 years. Yeah. You know, so like I said, 20 plus years, 20 ish years, we didn't know about the endocannabinoid system. 
And then, so 11 years ago, even though it was pushing toward the education side, I mean, we were still fractions. We knew fractions of what we know now, small yeah. fractions. So it's gone a long way, but it still has so much further to go. So much further to go, but you know, wonderful things like, you know, having Sativex available and epilepsy and things like, so we are little by little making some really great progress, which is great. Uh, this is, you know, a lot, a lot like the natural birth movement as well is just as much of, um, of having to educate and having to uh, a grassroots movement where it comes from the women wanting to have, you know, their choice and, and, and the patients wanting to have their choice. There's a lot of similarities yeah. in both of these worlds. Um, so been playing this game for a long time. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, with that one, I mean, I know it's not, it's not necessarily hemp related, but my, so my mom is actually a a doctor of nursing. So she got her PhD um, in nursing. And then my, my sister-in-law is a prenatal nurse practitioner. There's, there's times when uh, not them, but there's times when, you know, people see the home birth movement and it's like, oh gosh, that's so dangerous. I would never do that. Mm -hmm. But you got to realize, I mean, throughout the history of humanity, that's how it was done. Sure, it can be done safer, just like it can be done safer in a hospital. And there's, um, you know, things like you mentioned earlier, like emergency C-sections. Obviously, there's certain things that can't be done in the home. But uh, the way I look at it is like, look, it's it's their decision and it's more natural. Not everybody has to walk into a white room, you know, mm-hmm. that's that everybody's in totally sterilized gear and you can't see anybody's fate. Well, obviously you can't see anybody's faces now in general, but, but you get what I mean. You can't, everybody's, everybody in white room with, uh, with these, all these crazy instruments staring at you. Um, you know, not everybody has to abide by those, by that same logic and, and Hey, this is the only way to do it. No, we've done it a different way for thousands and thousands of years. Mm -hmm. The same with cannabis medicine. It has been a medicine for thousands and thousands of years. Um, and you know, we've been ignoring it and trying to cover it up and so many different levels of conspiracy theory that if you want to call it. Yeah. Well, I mean, much of it is not conspiracy theory, right? (laughs) I mean, the whole, the, the whole thing about uh, DuPont and paper, you know, hemp fiber could basically Mm -hmm. basically destroy paper, you know, and that is definitely not conspiracy. Then you get into the other stuff, which is, um, you know, kind of suppression um, and, and things like that, that you start to get into that realm. But one thing we can agree on, I mean, it, it's been something that throughout the history of humanity that we've used as a, as a mm. wonder crop yeah. medicine, fibers, all the above. And then, and then we're, you know, to this day, figuring out more and more things every day, uh, could start to replace silicate or uh, silicon and Silicon Valley and, stronger than potentially stronger than graphite um you know stuff like that uh hempcrete all those different things so it's just very interesting to see that like uh attached like a chain to ourselves and kind of held back the progression of just the whole country by Mm -hmm. making by demonizing cannabis slash hemp and that's what i meant by conspiracy is that conspiracy that it's you know going to make you crazy it's going you know all the reefer madness and and uh, that it's, you know, a drug of abuse and just say no. And, um, you know, all of that has just led to, and then the war on drugs. I mean, that was the worst, worst thing that could have happened to our country ever. Oh, right. War on drugs, I mean, right? it's a I war mean, on our the, people. 
it's it's so interesting like like that we've you know figured that out now that the war on drug is just drugs is horrendous it's a war that is horrendous. never won never won and only um destroys more lives and eats up more and more resources for this country um every year than we you know incarcerate everybody so that one's clearly not working so we got to come up with a we got to come up with a new solution you know something yeah. something different and I th I've said it before, but basically, if everybody if everybody had access to cannabis, you know, THC, let's put it this way: you smoke a joint with somebody, you're not going to get a fight. Like, yeah, <laughs> sorry, Mario, we could we could be mortal <laughs> enemies here, but if we 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 light a J together, we're not getting we're not we're not battling yeah. it afterwards. No, <laughs> maybe, no, maybe we're maybe eating after, a lot, but not yeah. battling. <laughs> maybe battling over the last bite of Ben and Jerry's, but besides that, yeah, but that, that that's definitely a possibility. <laughs> The O Cannabis Conference and Expo returns to Toronto June 1st through the 3rd, and there are still good booth locations available. This exciting event is free for cannabis retailers and will feature Tommy Chung receiving a Lifetime Achievement Award at the O Cannabis Industry Awards. For more information about exhibiting or to register to attend, go to ocannabis.com. That's O-C-A-N-N-A-B-I-Z.com. So, <laughs> so, so jumping back into the, uh, the certification that you, you just received on the, the mm -hmm. education side, um, can you tell me more, a bit more about that? I mean, what, what specifically are some of the things that are some takeaways that you've learned from diving into that education and getting certified as a, as a nurse related to, um, cannabinoids? Um, the takeaway, there's a lot of takeaways. One, um, is just how, I love the synergy between the plant and our bodies and the fact that we have these receptor sites in our brains that, that are, that are naturally there and that respond to these molecules in this plant that then upregulate and downregulate and like create homeostasis throughout our whole bodies and like every, right. every goes through and just balances everything out. Um, that to me is just incredible. So, so for for people that are listening, and I am no expert on this, uh, what what Mari's talking about is the CB1 and CB2 receptors. We have an endocannabinoid system where our body produces cannabinoids, not photocannabinoids, not like THC and CBD. And I actually forget the I always forget the names of them. I once once knew the names, but of our endocannabinoids. Yeah, I always forget the names of the endocannabinoids. Anandamide and 2AG. There we go. Perfect. Yeah. And I, that will be, that'll be in one ear out the other. I'll forget that in like four minutes. Um, but it's, it's believed that our body operates at a cannabinoid deficiency because we have these receptors in our body that can accept these cannabinoids, but our body only produces so much. And they, when they do pro are produced, they have a huge benefit on the, the cells that receive those in the, in the receptors. And it's believed that it brings your body into that homeostasis where it's your body's basically evened out and stabilized when you have cannabinoids attached to those receptors. I mean, it's something along those lines, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. It creates balance. Homeostasis means balance. And because these receptor sites are found in the brain and they're found in um, all throughout the body and the nervous mm -hmm. system and, and the neuron in the 
in the brain and in the digestive tract. And if you have an issue in that area and you take in these cannabinoids, it will affect that area and create homeostasis imbalance. And one of the reasons why it's so great for pain on so many, on, on different levels and different parts of the body. So that was one thing that, that I just find fascinating as a takeaway. The other one is just how far we have come, but how far we have to go. The education that needs to happen to have like real acceptance of this um, as um, true medicine. The, the fact that we really, we need to have like federal legalization um, so that scientists can do what they do and study and research and, and create, you know, education and science and facts around the plant. So yeah. Really oh yeah, needed. definitely. <laughs> and the, uh, I mean, I know this, this is a little bit of a tangent, but whenever, I mean, I get in these conversations all the time with, with people uh, that, I mean, people know that I work in the industry. So sometimes they just want to talk to me about it or pick my brain and, you know, we'll, maybe we're having some drinks. So you know, during a lot of those conversations, they're, they're just like, Oh no, I'd never touch it. I'd never touch it. But they're sitting there drinking a beer or a glass of wine. I'm like, look, you're, you're drinking something that's poisonous to the body when, when mm -hmm. this, you know, although can alter your mind is not alter your altering your mind because it's poisonous. It's altering your mind because it's connecting to these receptors in your body that, you know, we've evolved with that, that are specifically there to receive cannabinoids and do something good, something beneficial uh, to the body and still won't, doesn't change. Now I'm not trying to cha necessarily change their mind. I'm just kind of trying to open up their mind a bit to it's like, okay, I'm looking at this one way, but I'm also sitting here drinking a beer. And I'm like, look, and I always, I always say this one, I'm like, if it was never, um, it, you know, made illegal, if it was never, if there was never the prohibition on, on cannabis, you would be, I mean, it would be no different than alcohol right now. I mean, it would be right. sure it would be, it would likely be um, regulated in a similar manner. But if you went to a wedding, there would be a, alcohol bar and there'd be a weed bar. And it's likely that in the next 15, 20 years, that's exactly how it's going to be. But when people forget about what happened, you know, in the early, in the late nineties, early two thousands with the legalization with, from the prohibition. So it's like, just wait, just by the time your kids are adults and they're getting married, you're going to probably have a weed bar at their wedding. So I hope you're ready for that. <laughs> yeah. And they're already starting to do that too. I've heard of dab bars at weddings already <laughs> oh yeah oh no Imagine. i've 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 been to a few not weddings not weddings with it but been to a few parties um mm -hmm. obviously parties in this industry i mean there's right. a lot of those going on so and one thing also that was that i found interesting too is that whole like everyone you know the it's a gateway drug it's gonna gateway you to taking all these other drugs um well that's still studies, used that's still used to this day to this day i still get i still get felt that yeah, that's that like a point. huge part of the propaganda. And yet when you, what the study show was that alcohol is the gateway drug. That's what everyone starts doing. Drinking in high school is and whatever is, the, is yeah. alcohol. That's going to lead you to the other things. So, you know, that changing that mindset around is, is going to be important part. Well, of it. I, um, in a, in a previous conversation, I was actually on with uh, Jessica Ferranti with STM Canna. Um, we were talking about, I asked her, we were talking about when she first smoked, she got some weed from her, her brother. And then first time I ever smoked, I stole weed from my older brother. I was like 12 and she was 13. <laughs> and the point, the point that I was kind of getting to is that, look, 
<laughs> when you're when you're a motivated person, I mean, it's not the end of the world when a kid, you know, we don't want kids doing this at all, but it's not the end of the yeah. world. You know, it's not like blow everything up, his life is over. Because I can't tell you how many highly motivated, extremely successful people, especially in this space, mm-hmm. started smoking in their early teens, mm-hmm. which is which is wild to think about now. But we turned out okay, I believe. We're fine. We're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not not the end of the world. Relax, parents. Just please <laughs> relax. What you should be more worried about is that is your kid in high school getting a hold of all that alcohol. I mean, right. we drank we drank a lot and we drank a lot of alcohol in high school. Mm-hmm. And you know, weed was extremely easy to get. It's actually harder to get now. Mm-hmm. It is harder to get. There's there's been several studies that have come out where mm-hmm. In legal states, especially in Colorado, where the usage for marijuana and teenagers has has dropped when mm. people would have expected it to go up, at least the prohibitionists, you know, that's one of the talking points. You yeah. legalize it here and then everybody's going to have a hold, get a hold of it. But no, it's, it's similar to alcohol where if it's put into a store and you can only get it a certain way, it's hard for people to get a hold of it. Um, mm. You know, it was harder for us to buy alcohol than it was to buy weed. We always had a friend or a brother or something along those lines that had it or was willing to sell it to you with alcohol. No, it was like you had to wait outside and, and coerce some 30 year old guy to, to go buy you beer. <laughs> like, Interesting. I, I can't tell you how dangerous that is. I mean, <laughs> for that 30 year old too. Yes. Um, <laughs> all of the above. It's amazing. Yeah. So there's a lot, you know, that, the other thing too that was a, a takeaway from this class was, and I don't know if you've read Chasing the Scream. Have you read that book yet? I have not read Chasing the Scream. Ah, oh, unbelievable! Everyone needs to read that book, especially if you're interested in how you know how prohibition really went down and and um, and just the whole story of of drugs and. and you're not the first person that suggested society. that to me. Somebody oh, else suggested that to me. I'm going to definitely have to read that. It's fabulous. It's such a great book. So, which was, you know, what they studied, what they found is that communities where it's legalized, um, especially, you know, they talked a lot about heroin. Um, If you're supporting somebody in their usage, then they can be a functional part of society, a normal functional person going to work, doing their thing. Yes, they may need to have their fix of whatever it is. But if you're doing, if they're doing it in a clean and healthy legal way, then they can still be, become a part of society. When you take that legal way away, <laughs> that's when all of this devastation and all of these overdoses and all of this, you know, craziness starts happening is be- when you actually don't provide that for people. Right. Um, and that, and that evidence is extremely clear when you talk, when you, uh, learn about like the clean needle clinics that mm-hmm. they have up in Canada. And yeah. then if you learn about the legalization of drugs in Portugal or not legalization, yeah. de- decriminalization, sorry, of, exactly. of drugs in Portugal and what that did. Yes. If yes. you allow people to do it safely and in the mm-hmm. open, you also allow for a dialogue and mm-hmm. the ability to treat those, those individuals as well. When, especially when those clean needle clinics have a, you know, they have a, a rehab facility slash consultations mm-hmm. right above for the people that they want to, that actually, you know, make that decision that they want to stop. Exactly. But you're not going to uh, criminalize somebody or 
um, make them feel horrible about themselves and degrade their humanity because, you know, they're addicted to a medication of some kind too. It's like, you know, meanwhile, do we do that if you're addicted to alcohol necessarily? Like right. there's just this crazy double standard too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And even a double standard with, I mean, we're talking about the, the gnarly drugs, right? With heroin, mm-hmm. but there's not, there's a huge double standard if you're addicted to Oxycontin slash Vicodin, right? Because mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. prescribed to you, right. but, but it's basically, you know, a stone's throw away from heroin. So a lot yeah. of people get addicted to those pills and those things are extremely expensive. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that firsthand in my former career as a professional right. football player. So I've seen right. more than enough mm-hmm. uh, pill popping, um, more than enough addicts, mm-hmm with pain yeah. pills and it's just so sad. It's so sad and it's devastating just a huge amount of part of the community right now. And that's the other thing that cannabis helps you get off opiates. You know, it's really good at that. It's really helpful and people decrease their opiate consumption when they have cannabinoids on board and they can use THC. Um, it actually used synergistically with um, opiates uh, makes the opiate work better. So you don't need as much Um, if you have THC along with it. So, you know, there's a lot of studies that could be done there too. Um, But right now that's what they're finding. And, um, you know, so with this whole, on so many levels, we can, you know, and this is stuff like me in high school. I'm like, if everyone just like if pot was legal, man, everyone would just (laughs) bite each other. (laughs) Hey, if if, if that was your, if that was your uh, position in high school, then you were, you were very progressive and (laughs) at least you were, you were ahead of the times. I mean, my, I did not have that position in high school. I was, it was the opposite. It was, you know, these, these loser stoners. I mean, Mm. I served my first time I smoked when I was like 12, but Mm -hmm. I didn't smoke consistently ever. And, Mm. you know, whenever I saw, people doing it. I was like, Oh no, I can't believe you guys are doing this. You guys are so terrible. But at the same time, I'm freaking taking shots. Like, right. yeah. And bragging <laughs> you know? about how hot, how hungover you are the next day. Which oh I my gosh. Yes. And, and, and then the, 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 the dude who was stoned is like waking up running, running a mile at, at 5. AM. Mm-hmm. I mean, not really, but he, he could, if he wanted to, <laughs> if he wanted to, yeah. well, I didn't want to, because why would you do that? But <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Who, who wants to go run a mile at 5. AM? Come on. <laughs> Franco, come on. We know you're not running 5 a.m. miles, Franco. Not happening, right? So, so I want to shift gears just just slightly here because I had this question. I've had this question just sitting here on this on my notepad in front of me for a while. But uh, please tell me about the origin of Orange Fuzz of the name. It's really not that exciting, unfortunately. Um, oh, it- you got to come up. You got to come up with something better. You just gotta, okay, let's come up you gotta, with you gotta really say like exciting. you 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 had a tiger battle or something. I don't know, but <laughs> it's the orange hairs of the amazing hemp flowers that we grow, and they're just so rich in orange hairs. And we had to call it something orange and fuzzy. Okay, you that's know? amazing. You you <laughs> then don't don't down. You can't downplay it right before I ask you because then I'm <laughs> expecting some. I'm expecting some horrendous story. But no, that's, that's really one. cool. <laughs> uh, for for anybody that's actually grown their own flower, when you start to get those little pistols, is what mm-hmm. they're is what they're called, I believe. The, the little orange, sometimes red, sometimes they can even be other colors, purple, ish. Mm-hmm. But when you see those orange pistols and they're firing out all over your your flower, you're like, okay, I'm doing things right. This yeah. looks good. It's a good sign. 
That's what yeah. you're looking for. That and the crystals. <laughs> yeah, but I, I gravitate so much towards just orange fuzz. Honestly, the name, <laughs> it sounds yummy. Thank you. It is Doesn't yummy. It? And it, it, it's so yummy. And I love that we can have like follow the fox and foxy ladies. And I can't wait to do a marketing booth at Pride Parade in LA and have like these gorgeous male models with like their top hats and fox ears and foxtail. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you're gonna have to you're gonna take a ton of pictures. You gotta put that all over the Orange Fuzz <laughs> website. <laughs> I cannot wait. I'm so excited. We have a brilliant um uh, uh Chinese millennial designer who came up with our fox and so it just took off from there. And yeah, I'm really proud of it and, and excited for that. Now was the was the fox was that just part of the the brand creation or was there something specifically related to orange and maybe a love of foxes? We she she came to us saying that um, in China um, the fox symbolism has is a very powerful um, symbolism and that that was pretty much it. She was like a fox is a very strong powerful symbol in China and we're like perfect let's do it. <laughs> That that's excellent because I'm I'm very happy she didn't come to you saying you know the rat is a very good symbol of of <laughs> and you're like wait a second an orange rat I don't know about that <laughs> it would have to be like orange and fuzzy like you know molded cheese I don't know <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness so what so what is the how are thing how have things been going since since your your launch and what does the future for orange fuzz look like. Things have been going very well. Um, we're in a bunch of stores and um, I'm in the, the money, money raising, fundraising time right now um, okay. because we are need to scale quickly. The, right now it's a race against the clock with other brands to get our market share and our shelf space. Um, we are in a bunch of different states with distribution companies right now um, being marketed to their stores and things are going really well. Um, we just keep getting really great responses back. People love it. It feels great. It tastes great. The price point seems to be working for everybody. Um, and, you know, it's it's a product that I can stand behind. I'm, it's so important to have, for me, to have this amazing COA certificate of analysis so that you can go on the website and you can see very proudly like all of how clean this hemp is and that's yeah. the most important thing and um so i was gonna say we we mention it all the time we say coas um, mm -hmm. you know certificate of analysis and for those that don't know coa is the lab testing results so the, yeah. everything related to your product its potency most cases mm -hmm. it's pesticides some t in some cases it's it's terpene breakdown or it's heavy metal content just to make sure that the product that you're smoking is and, and that you're ingesting is clean. And microbes, heavy metals. Um, uh, what I, I, you know, I, I asked for the full panel when the manufacturer was like, do you want, which one do you want? I said, the full one, I want to see what's in it. And I was so surprised to see how many terpenes and the richness of the terpene profile was spectacular. And especially that it's uh, rich in beta caryophylline which I learned in school was a terpene that is um, wonderful for anti-inflammation and anti-anxiety. So that's why not only is a CBD good for those things, but this also this terpene beta caryophylline is great for them too. So that's why that 
Nick's the Nick anti-anxiety. When you want to smoke a cigarette and you don't want to smoke that cigarette, you wanted something else, you can replace it with that. That's going to be calming and anti-inflammatory and anti-anxiety. And that was a surprise. And I found out also beta caryophylline they're almost considering a terpene because it actually affects the CB1 receptor. You mean almost considering a cannabinoid? They're kind of, they're calling it a, a cannabinoid because it um, does affect the CB1 receptor. And oh, so wow. it's a really powerful terpene. Yeah. Very, yeah. very interesting. Yeah. For once again, for people that, that are listening, terpenes, they're the, the kind of the very light volatile oils that it's are essential. in the cannabis plant and they're produced in almost everything that, mm-hmm. that's grown. Uh, but the ones that you, that most people would know mm-hmm. is like limine and in lemons or pining in pine needles. So whenever you open up a, a cleaner, it's got some level of terpenes in it for that, for that smell and that flavor. When you smell like the, the turpentine lemon smell, that's mm-hmm. probably limonene, you know, so beta caryophylline is, is one of those that's seen to have that benefit medically. Now, my understanding of beta caryophylline is that it's also been kind of linked to some of the relaxation effect as mm-hmm. far as the indicas go almost yeah. in, in some cases, people are saying that it could have, you know, a, a bit of the sleepy, mm-hmm. you could get a bit of the sleepy feeling if you have cannabis, that's got a lot of beta caryophylline in it. Um, and then, yeah, so that's just my, my very yeah. broad understanding. I, I've mentioned it before. Yeah. I'm like a mile wide and inch deep. Like I, I know a teensy bit about everything, but not a lot. <laughs> No, you did fine. And yeah, I was a kind of attribute it to this, the, is the essential oils of the plant and that we have essential oils in many things like the linalool that's in lavender that can also be in a cannabis plant. And, um, but yeah, you did a great job explaining Definitely. it. <laughs> it's funny. You said linalool. I, I always shy away from saying that one just because I butcher it every time. It's like, I don't, it's such a hard word to say a linalool, like linalool. I'm just going to mess it up. Yeah. But I know. this is uh, makes it smell like weed. That's the weed smell too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, the, but when, okay. So like I've done a lot on the terpene side, you know, trying to, one of the things I noticed, like you get all these different terpene combinations and they're the one, you know, that's the aroma that you're smelling and that aroma, those, um, those smells that you get, they're endless and they're tiny combinations of all these different terpenes. So like mm. back in the day when I was experimenting with terpenes, I was trying to like recreate that, that kind of that cheese smell, mm. which is a really odd one to go for just because <laughs> it's like, well, when you get, when you get the, um, you know, certain strains, like the, like blue cheese, you get that cheese smell, but it's like, how do you recreate that smell? Because not, none of those terpenes sp- smell specifically like that. You have mm. to combine them in some manner to get them to smell like that, mm. you know? So it was just interesting. I was going down kind of a path of trying to figure out these really unique smells and in, in how those would be recreated in the cannabis plant. And I was using, um, I was using COAs. I was using terpene COAs mm-hmm. to say like, okay, I'd like to rebuild this strain. You know, here's, here's ter- for example, blue dream. You know, I want to rebuild blue dreams, terpene profile. Here's a bunch of blue dream um, COAs for their terpene breakdown and can I rebuild it? But then it was clear that nobody knew what blue dream actually was. Cause everybody just calls it, <laughs> calls their strains, their strains and the terpene right. profiles were all over the map and it was all supposed to be the same strain. So 
<laughs> I wasn't getting very far. Yeah. That's a whole nother science level oh, yeah. of science. <laughs> oh yeah. We had, yeah, we had, um, we had Emily with, with infinite tree on to talk about that. She's mm. you know, the genetic side of things, you know, that's a whole nother realm, right. That's and how they're trying to produce their prints, trying to uh, produce specific genetics for, you know, a certain goal, a certain outcome. Yeah. Hey, I'd like my, Oh, she even mentioned it. She's like, I want my, I want my, my flower to smell like strawberries, you know? Mm -hmm. So they're searching for how to produce a strawberry, really like strawberry heavy terpene profile. Yum. That sounds amazing. Right? Wouldn't that be amazing? And yeah. orange does. <laughs> it would be amazing. Yes. I would love to come out with some that had like different um, profiles like that, but also adding like different cannabinoid profiles to like right. a Delta well, eight. Well, as you, as you start to grow with your, uh, with your farmers, you know, your, with your growers, you could definitely start to open up that conversation and say, Hey, look, I'm, I want some more unique things in, you know, my, my orange fuzz brand. Mm -hmm. And then that's when you start opening up that conversation on the genetic side. Yeah. Because and I've been listening to a lot of the people that you've been interviewing and taking notes and seeing what they have. I'm like, I got to call that guy. That guy sounds interesting. He's going to have some product that I need. And it's a great resource. Yeah. Well, one thing that reigns true in this space is uh, it's, it's, it's very new. There's a lot of interesting people. That's for sure. There's people that know a ton. There's people that come from all different walks of life, people that have experiences um, in the space. I mean, there's, there's OGs that have been growing for 30 years that could tell you crazy stories. And then yeah. now they're seeing, you know, Walmart of, of cannabis pop up in different yeah. locations, their minds blown. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's just so it, it's, it's, that's why I really love chatting with people, you know, but this was a great conversation. We've been on for over an hour and 15 minutes. Um, wow. So, but yeah. thank you very much for, for being here today. Uh, and we're going to have to get together sometime when the world opens back up. I would love that. It's been a pleasure, Mark. Thank you so much. I always I really enjoy co having conversations with you and thank well, you, Franco. Also. All right. Have a great, have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much, you guys. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. How do cannabis CEOs balance growth and optimization strategies? What is THCO, Delta 10, and CBNA, and why should you care about these minor cannabinoids? And why is an endocannabinoid system covered in medical school? Most people think they're up to date in trends in the cannabis industry, but they're about six weeks behind. Learn about what is truly next in the cannabis space by joining myself, Brian Fields, and Kellen Finney every week on the Dime Podcast and, of course, on PodConnects.